On this episode, brisket, woolly adelgids, summer camp for adults, and our second of four episodes celebrating women during Women's History Month in March. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. hosts, Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. Welcome to another episode of the Almost There Adventure Podcast. Today we have Kate Gates with us, and I'm excited to have her here. I met Kate through her amazing business, the Mulberry Gap Adventure Base Camp, and I'm so excited to have you here telling us about how you ended up with a camp in the woods of Georgia, of North the North Georgia mountains from Florida. And yeah, inter- why don't you introduce yourself and we'll get into it. Yeah, well, I'm excited to be here. So thank you all for, for having us on or having me on. Um, yeah, so my now husband and I met in high school when we were 15 and 16. Uh, and our moms became very fast friends. And uh, my sister then started taking karate lessons underneath Andrew, who was very competitive in karate at the time, um, was an international champion and, and done a lot, had done a lot of uh, competitions throughout the world. So my sister did some training underneath him, and then we started kind of traveling together as two families throughout Florida and a few other states doing competitions. Um, so that really kind of solidified my my mom and Andrew's mom's relationship as friends. Um, and they kind of just were at changing points in their lives to kind of get out of the norm that they had been living for most of their adult life and wanted to kind of change things up and pursue a, a few passions of theirs, which was being outside and, and hiking. Um, so they started visiting the North Georgia mountains um, in about 2000 five, I guess, and Andrew and I would come up here with them. Um, And then, yeah, they just started to look for property. They kind of decided they would like to share, you know, a a cabin in the woods and just have a place for us to escape the the Florida hurricanes that kept hitting us. Um, From like 2003 to 2005, we got hit with about four eyes of the storms. Um, That's why they started looking for property up here. And yeah, so they, they found the property at Mulberry Gap, uh, what, what would become Mulberry Gap in 2006, and kind of opened a business that was just catered to outdoor enthusiasts, had food, hot tubs, cabins, camping, uh, and two really sweet women that were very friendly and personable um, that would welcome them in. And then Andrew was there to kind of help with some of the maintenance and heavy lifting of, of the, keeping up the property. Uh, and so, yeah, they started it in 2006 and then, uh, we were together throughout that whole time. I was in college at Florida state, went to Chattanooga for a couple of years. And when we got engaged in 2013, I, I joined the family. So I've been there for nine years now. So be really nice to your husband, right? Uh, karate master, like don't, you know, you always, you don't want to, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, you won't even know it's coming though. It's okay. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's a ninja too. He's a ninja. All right. He's a, yeah. All right. He's All right. he's fast and quiet. <laughs> so, so tell us more about Mulberry Gap. Like tell us more about the property and sort of where it is, like where it is and what makes it so special. Aside from the food, because the food makes it really special. We actually had another guest, um, Jamie from Hand Up Glo- Gloves, and she was talking about the food at Mulberry Gap. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's we we're, we're well known for our food for sure. Um yeah, so we're located in Ella J, Georgia, which is about an hour and a half north of Atlanta. Uh, so not far, but a totally different world in the city. It's still a pretty small town, all things considered, although we've seen it grow up quite a bit in the last 15 years. Um, we are about 12 miles outside of downtown, which feels like forever away for a lot of people that are not used to remote areas or rural spots. Um, so yeah, like a trip to the grocery store takes us, you know, an hour round trip at the minimum. So don't forget a gallon of milk or like two eggs, just get what you need on, on one trip. But um, it's a beautiful spot in, in the mountains. Uh, we're at the foothills of the Appalachians and um, 
We're really, really fortunate with just our location and proximity to the Pinhoti Trail System, uh, the Chattahoochee National Forest, and the Cahutta Wilderness uh, here in North Georgia. So it's it's beautiful, um, it's remote, but it's worth it. Like the sacrifices that we make, like having terrible internet, uh, is just, it. it's okay. Like we, we make it work, it's not ideal, but uh, I'd rather have that than many, many other things. So we currently have a just under about 16 acres. Um, and basically we have about 10 cabins. Currently we'll, we'll be building another one soon um, and we'll kind of tap out at 11, but we've got 10 sleeping cabins, eight campsites, uh, a big retail check-in office area uh, where we do have some staff members that live on site. Uh, and then we also have a barn, which is the community space. It's kind of um, where all of the wonderful food is served and where a lot of memories are made but it, it serves as a big you know hangout space for events like Severia where everybody kind of gathers at uh, day and night um, and it's just where a lot of a lot of really good memories are made Andrew and I happened to get married there in 2013 as well um, yeah it's a pretty cool spot it sounds great but, but let's go more into the food because let's be honest that sounds like yeah. like what, what can we expect <laughs> like what kind of a meal is it southern cooking is it just sort of comfort food like, you know, you go out there and you do hard days on all those beautiful trails and hikes. Like, what's waiting for you when you get back? Yeah, it's um, a little, it's not real Southern food in, in the fact of like, people kind of expect a lot of fried stuff. Like we try to do a really healthy mix, um, but you can pack on the calories if you want. Uh, you can also go a little bit lighter if, if you need to or prefer. And um, then we also accommodate a lot of dietary restrictions. So like your typical breakfast will be scrambled eggs, um, always fresh fruit. There's gonna be yogurt, granola, probably some fresh berries to put on there. Um, usually like a, one of the mornings, you know, it could be pancakes or waffles, French toast, uh, an assortment of different muffins and that sort of thing. And then of course a, a bacon or sausage or some sort of breakfast meat. Um, sometimes there's oatmeal with a bunch of toppings. There's going to be cheesy grits occasionally um, or kind of a toppings bar of, of such to put on some of those things. So it's just a good mixture, unlimited coffee, of course, and then fresh juices. Um, and then we do packed lunches for your activity. So you can basically get a lunch to go so you don't have to be stuck on a time frame. Um, everybody does come and eat breakfast and dinner together. So it's kind of a communal family style meal which is a cool way for our guests to kind of get to know one another and spend time with other people that are like-minded. Um, so you go out all day, you come back, you're hungry, and dinner is gonna consist of a nice big fresh salad, uh, some sort of rolls of, or breakfast, or I'm sorry, dinner bread of some sort, and then um, one to two starches, one to two veggies, and a big meat. But one of the most popular meals is beef brisket, which is typically on a Saturday night, um, and we'll start preparing the meat, sometimes even the night before, have it on the smoker most of the day, um, maybe top it off in the oven for an hour or two before dinner, and then, um, you know, have either potatoes, but, you know, roasted potatoes with a bunch of different veggies in there. Um, it's, it's a good stuff. Like we, it's fresh and it's good, wholesome food. You know what you're, like it's real food, you know, you can look at it and be like, yes, I know what I'm gonna eat there. And Severia can probably chat with that or talk about that a little bit as well. <laughs> yeah, and they accommodated every dietary need that we had, and we had them all. We had vegan, we had dairy free, gluten free, <laughs> we had all all the freeze, um, yes. you know, all the all the freeze and all the allergies, and everyone was blown away by the food um, and the desserts, and yeah, and there's a charcuterie board that. I will probably never see the likes of again. Um, it was so yeah. spectacular and gorgeous. Yeah, it just, yeah, the food was really, really a special part yeah, of the visit. It is, and yeah, and for for events like that, we can we can go a little more all out with it, just because you know we're catering to a specific group. Whereas when we have a bunch of smaller individual reservations, you're trying to find more typical crowd pleasers. But women's events in particular, like. They tend to be a little, they want lighter options. They still don't mind eating plenty, but they want like big salads and lots of color and lots of veggies and fresh stuff. So I enjoy those weekends because that's typically how I eat as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a fun one for us to, to play with. I, I want brisket. So, you know, that's, yeah. that, that, I want, I want brisket Brisket's too. I was good. looking at the, we did, we did brisket. I think we had a brisket night. Yeah. 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 I was, I was looking at the eat and drink 
page on your website and I'm like, I'm ready to book a trip right now. So it's awesome. <laughs> it, it's really good. <laughs> so Kate, tell us a little bit more about um, one of the things I think that's really unique about your location is it's, I mean, it's for everybody. It's for hikers. It's for people who just want to get away. But mountain biking is sort of your what you're known for. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about the mountain bike trails in the area that are so famous, the mountain bike opportunities on property, and how you support mountain bikers with shuttles and whatnot. Sure. Yeah. So we, it's funny because we've kind of come full circle with our, our market. It kind of started as a full, you know, open to any outdoor enthusiast and then mountain bikers kind of found us early on. And this was very quickly after the recession. So we kind of had to cling on to anybody who would help keep us in business. And we didn't know the first thing about mountain bikers, but they were a really awesome community of people that adopted us quickly taught us what to do to kind of kind of took us in underneath their wing and helped us survive a really hard time and for a new business that had no marketing budget and this was still early days of Facebook and all of that um so we changed our name to Mulberry Gap Mountain Bike Getaway in probably 2008 2009 so the Pinhoti trail system was finished in this region about the end of 2005 And as I mentioned, we bought the property in August 2006. So mountain bikers were kind of traveling to this area um, from different locations, Chattanooga, Atlanta, and and so on, to check out this new trail system because this was a time when new trails were very rare, um, especially for the mountain bike world. And it is actually, it's a 300, currently it's the Pinhody Trail is a 360-mile trail um, that starts north of us, um, kind of towards the end of the Benton Mackay, or start of the Benton Mackay, depending on which way you consider the the start or finish. And then it goes all the way to Flag Mountain in Alabama. Um, And so the Alabama portion is hiking only, but the Georgia section, you can bike it. Um, So we just happened to find property unintentionally a quarter mile off the trail. And so it just kind of catered to this market that we've had for so long and so we definitely became very well known in the mountain biking world that's where a lot of the word of mouth was happening Uh, we were we became mountain bikers ourselves so we're just kind of involved in the community quite a bit more and and as this area has become more popular and more of a destination for all outdoor enthusiasts we rebranded in 2020 to just be mulberry gap um, and just kind of with the tagline adventure base camp because we wanted to be seem or, and be a little more friendly to all user types. We've always been welcoming to them, but when a name, when your business name says mountain bike getaway, people would often express being uncomfortable booking a stay there because they aren't coming with a bike or feeling like they were not welcome, which is certainly never the case. So we kind of took that part out of our name just to be more welcoming to the general public for them to not feel excluded and like it's a elusive or, um, you know, a a golf resort type of thing where you have to pay to play sort of in that, in that realm. So got to be part of the mountain bike club. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I noticed that you also, um, like one of the markets that you, you work with are like through hikers, long distance hikers. What are Mm -hmm. some of the trails that they are hiking that would be, take them by there? Obviously the Pinhati trail. Pinhoti. Yeah. Pinhoti there. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, So if they're through hiking and they're coming by us, it's always on the Pinhoti Trail. But sometimes they're just on the Pinhoti. Sometimes they've come from the Florida Trail. So maybe they started in Key West and they hiked all of the Florida Trail, connected to the Pinhoti. Then they take Pinhoti to the Benton Mackay and then Benton Mackay to AT. And so we have met some people that are, if they're northbound or southbound, maybe a few months into their journey, maybe a year into a journey. Uh, so it's really cool. And we, we, you know, you never know when they're coming necessarily because um, they're not coming for a weekend vacation, right? They're just tromping through the woods. And like, if they get on gut hook and they see us on there and they're like, a hot shower sounds really amazing right now, then they just come walking up our driveway. And we, we never know when to expect them, but it's, it's pretty cool when you just see someone kind of hunched over walking up our extremely steep driveway and they, you know, that they're about to be, you know, get a, get a shower, get a cold beer and be able to charge some devices and maybe get out of the rain, maybe get out of the snow, whatever weather's happening. Um, so we, we love being a resource for people like that just to kind of unwind, take a break, um, 
get, get a good night's rest and then take back off on your adventure. I think we, Matthew Hinks, our guest from two, two episodes ago, did that well, you that, that path that you he, mentioned florida to oh, Pinhoti, yeah, i know we had yeah. talked about it recently yeah he, I'd heard he did it. the, oh, cool. the, the yeah. pinhoti but he yeah. didn't he stop didn't there because he didn't know about it <laughs> that's, yeah. right. that's yeah. right that's yeah. right yes, yeah. that's right. i was and like you missed the hot tub <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's uh we're there's a hill basically so where the trail starts there's a gravel climb and a gravel descent to get down to mulberry i mean Visually, you will never know that we're there unless you're paying attention to uh, an app. And it's forest service land, so we can't, like, put up a sign. There's nothing that we can really do to let people know about it. And, so. and you're on you're on Guthook, though? So, like, if somebody's uh -huh. following Guthook, they'll see, oh, yeah, this is a great place to get a hot yeah. shower. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. And they can come and they can stay as an overnight guest or they can just pay, like, a day fee and like charge all their gear and upgrade to a shower. I mean, it's like five bucks just to come hang out, charge your stuff, 10 bucks if they want to shower and you can have access to the property for most of the day. Another great reason to use those gut hook apps. I, you know, Jason and I used them on the, uh, the Wonderland trail and uh, they were great. And so we, uh, yet, yet another example. Yeah. <laughs> And, and one of the other things about our area is it's, you know, there's, there's through hiking, like, like we've talked about, but we also have a ton of bike packing routes that are accessible right outside of our gate. So it's bike packing and backpacking are very similar. Just one includes two wheels. Um, and so there's the trans North Georgia, which has been going on for 12 years now. And that is basically, it goes from the South Carolina border in North Georgia all the way across the state and ends at the Alabama line, but a, a huge section of it is is on the Pinhoti Trail. And then there's also the Cahutacat, which is a figure eight loop that starts and ends at Mulberry. If you are mountain biking and you happen to hit a tree and maybe break a rib or something, how far away are you from like medical attention? Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah this, this happens. We deal with it quite yeah. a bit, actually. Um, Usually we're, everybody's really fortunate that even if they get injured, it's not like detrimental, like, like time is of the essence. Those things can certainly happen, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, can be a wait. Um, and depending on if you get hurt on trail and if there is a gate that is blocking vehicles from being able to act, to access you, and then you have to wait on forest service to receive your message and come unlock that gate. We have been known to maybe take a chain or take you know tools to these locks to help pe get people out sooner rather than later um so actually just a couple of weeks ago we had a call from somebody that was up on the mountain just on a gravel ride and they came down on some ice that they just didn't see on on gravel and broke a femur and so we Ooh. because we offer shuttles to trailheads but we're also just a resource out there they were some friends of ours, so they called us, and we were trying to go pick them up, but they closed some of the roads this time of year up at higher elevations because of snow, and people with ill-equipped cars go out there and, you know, do dumb things, usually resulting in harm to themselves and a flipped-over vehicle. So we couldn't get to them easily, but eventually uh, the EMT service did did get to them, and they're they're okay. But, yeah, sometimes you're you're waiting a few hours. And it's un unfortunate, but it's kind of one of the realities. So, so in my defense, Jason, I haven't broken a bone on a bike trip in at least two years. <laughs> okay. So, um, but I, I am signed up to do another bike packing race this, this October. I'm going to do Big Lonely again. So, uh, right. I, yeah, I've gotten into doing some bike packing and I really enjoy it. So I'd love to maybe go check that out down in the uh, in your area sometime you know, yeah. it looks like awesome you guys have an event there uh, or you've had an event there for a couple of years the bike packing summit and like yeah what's that all about yeah well so we hosted the bike packing summit we worked with Lindsay and neil belchinko on that um so we attended one in gunnison colorado in 2009 or 2018 uh, had a really, really great time, connected with some amazing humans there, uh, hit it off with, with Neil and Lindsay. And uh, Neil ended up coming that same, later that year to do the Kahuta Cat and uh, crushed it. He did an amazing time. Um, and so, yeah, we just kind of became friends with them and, and they were 
needing help with the event to kind of put it on and, and wanting to kind of change location because they had done it out west, um, out mainly in Colorado, I believe, for like the, the last two or three years and kind of wanted to reach a new market. So Andrew, my, my husband and I kind of worked with them on, on planning the 2019 Bikepacking Summit and we hosted it at Mulberry Cap and that was just such an incredible experience and just really, really fun. Um, a lot of amazing people all under one roof, just talking bikes and, and routes and trips. And um, the Eastern Continental Divide route was released there. Um, and yeah, so and we, we haven't hosted it again. They actually, Neil and Lindsay just had a baby. Um, and so of course with COVID and everything in the last two years, they haven't hosted it. And uh, we're, we're still in touch about one coming up in the future. Nothing's been set yet, but we're we're anxious to kind of chat with them. But yeah, our thought process was to kind of maybe rotate it around the, the United States, maybe once every four years, kind of hit all four corners just to be able to have new topics regionally and kind of attract different different clientele in that way. So to be determined. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting because, you know, it started mountain biking, or at least the, the version of it we have started in Marin and, you know, it was very much a West Coast thing kind of moved into Colorado. Now it really, the South really seems to be like a, a huge burgeoning place for it. Like it seems like most of the new trails are being built there. It sounds like you were kind of mm -hmm. there at the ground floor of that un, uh, without even knowing it or right, unwittingly. Yeah. Right? What was it like yeah. watching that grow? And, and what, what, why do you think the South, you know, has become this new sort of hotbed for, 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 you know, all the different sorts of off-road bicycling? Yeah. I mean, it, it has been really watched it grow. Um, you know, I was I was pretty young when Mulberry started, so my world view was was narrow at the time, and and so I don't know how much of it was just my age and not really fully understanding stuff um, in that realm. But I would say that we have I have personally seen way more females on bikes, which is really cool. Way a lot more kids with you know the Nike series or similar similar series coming to a lot of these towns. Uh, and communities. And so, yeah, I mean, the place to go for a big mountain bike trip was always out West. It's like, even when we first kind of started, you'd hear people talk about, Oh yeah, going out to Moab. Oh, I'm going out to Colorado. And it was so just seemed so awesome, but there, there are just amazing trails here on the East coast and, and in the Southeast. And that's one thing that we got as feedback from, from a lot of events that we've had. We've, we've, been able to host a lot of corporate events over the years where it's bringing people in from all over the United States and they always leave here very impressed with what this area has to offer and they're they find it unexpected they kind of always think that it's just going to be way under underrated and that it's just not as as cool as what they've got at home but they realize that each each region has its own thing to offer and you know like our dirt is really tacky it, it's a hero dirt or loamy you know like you hear it described like that now we don't have extremely technical stuff by us specifically um not not nearly as much as like what pisca has but we have some really fun flowy trails that will give you plenty of climbing and plenty of downhill uh depending on the route and and yeah so the feedback has just been that it's it's you know holds up to what a lot of people really love to love about riding and the scenery's beauty are beautiful the overlooks are amazing um and yeah it's been it's just been really cool to watch this this not only this area but just regionally the growth and trails and the routes being kind of developed um we're fortunate to be pretty tied into that to that world and it's a lot of our friends that are doing it um and yeah so it's just it's been really amazing to to watch happen now we don't I, the one thing i wish is that we just were able to get out a little bit more and actually check out more trails <laughs> It's always the complaint. <laughs> we always joke about that. Those of us who help other people get outdoors don't yeah. actually get outdoors as much no. as we would like to. Do it. Yeah, no. I can talk yeah. about it all day long. It feels like I've ridden yeah. them because I can describe these trails like the back yeah. of my hand. But yeah, <laughs> when I'm actually out there, I'm like, oh, look at this. <laughs> it's so lovely. <laughs> yeah, and for those people who don't like the climbing and just like the downhill part of the biking, their shuttle services, uh, the Mulberry Gap shuttles, will take you to the top so you can ride down. So... Win, and it's never win. all down, but you get to fair. skip a fair amount of climbing. But yeah, people <laughs> yes. are like, yeah, downhill park. And we're like, eh, not quite, but you know, you can definitely take out a fair yeah. amount of climbing. For or, sure. yeah, or you can be a total weenie and just have them drive you up and be on an e-bike at the same time. <laughs> 
and, and have like all downhill and, or like assisted, you know, if you really yeah, want to, if you I really mean, want to be a weenie, you can do that. We see it all. And we also like, it's incredible. Like we literally see everything from like small kids, like eight, nine, 10 years old doing some of these big climbs and pretty big mileages for those legs. And then you've also got people who are just lifelong, like cyclists that are out here at 80 doing this stuff. I mean, it just shows you like the life cycle of what it, what cycling can be for, for somebody. It's, it's really incredible. And you also have a great pump track that's just like on property too, to like yes. practice skills and jumps and banking and stuff like that, which is really fun. Yeah, so we've just got, it's not even a mile, but it's, yeah, it was specifically built to be a skills course because we do host a lot of clinics, um, and so we do a lot of instruction there, and so it's meant to be hard. It's meant to throw in some features that are people typically are either intimidated by or have challenges with, so yeah, jumps and drops, some, some tight switchbacks. Uh, we've got the pump track and, uh, yeah, skinnies and just little stuff like that that help you learn and, and learn how to like maneuver your bike and let you ride the bike instead of it ride you sort of thing. <laughs> well, well, you wouldn't know it by the weather here in LA. It's in the eighties, um, but it is winter <laughs> apparently. So I'm told, um, do you have, uh, a, is that an area for winter sports? Do you get snow or is it more of like, kind of like a year round, you know, it's, you know, you do the mountain biking in, in February, but it's just colder. What's what's the climate and all Ex that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you get snow here and it's beautiful when it happens, but it's never enough to have any kind of winter sports here. Um, I mean, you can, most people are not going to ride when it's snowing here because of the freeze thaw. I mean, we're always kind of like in between that, like freezing at night and then it will jump up to the 40s and 50s in the day um so you're always kind of balancing that and you can ride around here year round um it's just colder and my, my personal tolerance for it is zero <laughs> i like i can be i can be so warm and hot on the climbs but the minute i turn around and go downhill and some of our descents are like six miles you know and within 20 seconds i'm frozen and then i can't ever get the feeling back in my hands and my feet so I don't do a ton of riding outside this time of year, um, but you do see you see people out there and they look frigid. But you know, more power to them. And and we we are open this winter. Um, and yeah, we we have guests that are out there just layered up, going at it. But but you know, we had a, a dad and two sons here from Michigan this past weekend, and you know, they just they when they left Michigan, they were leaving a blizzard. And so to them, the 40 and 50 degree weather was absolutely nothing. And they were walking around in t-shirts. <laughs> so it just it kind of depends on where you live regionally as well. Um, if you're from like a three hour radius of here, it's cold to you or from Florida, it's cold. But yeah, if you're from up north, it's it's nothing. So for people um, who maybe don't want to have the mountain bike experience, but just want to do the adventure, tell us a little bit about what kind of adventurous things there are to do in the area uh, mm -hmm. off, off property. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's tons of fly fishing. Uh, there's a lot of natural creeks um, and beautiful remote spots where you can go fly fishing. Of course, there's the hiking. You do see, see a lot of overlanding vehicles out and about. You do see a lot of um, dual sport, a lot of the, not, and a lot of people are riding some of the trails. It's not the mountain biking trails so much, but more of the long distance gravel uh, dual sport like type of riding. Um, there's Fort Mountain State Park that's not far from us at, at all. That's got a little lake. So a lot of people do some stand up paddle boarding up there. There's also the Cartier River that you can float down. You can also do stand-up paddleboards or kayaking down there. And then um, the Okoe River is not far from us either. It's only about 40 minutes north. Uh, and that's a great spot to do some whitewater rafting if you want. Um, yeah, mountain biking, hiking, just it's just a beautiful spot and lots, lots to see and do here. And there's also a great downtown. There's five wineries in Ella J, so you can go get your day drink on if you want. It's great. So the last time I went to like a summer camp experience was when I was a teenager. I, I don't know, like 12 mm -hmm. years old or something like that. 12 or 13 in Boy Scouts. And I yeah. had a blast. So it's like I was a week. It was a week long thing. and I was away from my parents, which is the <laughs> best thing, right? Yes, when you're a kid. obviously. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got to do like just so many different things, you know, like canoeing and swimming and, you know, hiking and just 
all kinds of, tried lots of different stuff. And I've heard some of the people talk about like the adventurous women camp that, that Severia's organization put on there. You know, it sounds a lot like that, you know, where there's a lot of different mm-hmm. events and a lot of different activities. I want to do that. So what yep. are the opportunities for me to like have that experience at um, Mulberry Gap? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because over the years, we've been referred to as summer camp for adults, like repeatedly. Um, We don't like plug that marketing so much just because we don't want it to seem not kid friendly um, or family friendly in that sense. But yeah, I mean, we kind of with our limited staff, we can help and assist with only so much. We are really trying hard right now to build more relationships locally with other companies and vendors who can help take our our guests on more trips. So like we want to find someone who can offer some of the guided rides. We want to offer, you know, like we do the shuttles ourselves, but there's only so much like our personal staff can do to help organize these activities in and of themselves. So people kind of have to be we have the information, we can tell you where to go, but they have to be self-directed and being able to kind of like feel comfortable out in the woods, either navigating on their own or finding these locations, being able to read a map. Some have no problem with it. There's still a fair amount that really feel very uncomfortable doing that solo in the woods. Yeah, so personally, my experience, I, I, I'm very comfortable, you know, planning and organizing a trip. You know, like we've done, you know, we'll do uh, backpacking trips multi-day or bikepacking or whatever and that's cool so it sounds like if you want to roll your own adventure that works out pretty well you know with with Mm -hmm. we can do that pretty easily and you've got the resources and the information and like oh yeah Mm -hmm. you might want to check this out you know and and we can find that information and and put together a you know a really fun time right exactly and that that's kind of where the tagline of adventure base camp came from it's kind of you know, you can start and end your day here, but there's so much within, you know, even from anywhere from five minutes to 45 minutes or an hour, if you want to drive that far around us to explore a plethora of options. I mean, we hosted a Georgia Conservancy a couple of summers and they do a big snorkeling trip on the Conestoga River, which is crazy, but it's like one of the most biodiverse rivers in the, like, I think, east of the Mississippi. And so they do a snorkeling trip, which I would have never known about had they not come to us and be like, oh, yeah, we've been running this trip for years, but we need a place that can host all of our customers and you guys do the food. This is perfect. So, yeah, like those opportunities have come our way. They've taught us about our kind of our own backyard, but we just didn't we didn't know. But it's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's wild. I didn't even I wouldn't have never thought of a snorkeling trip on a river. You know, it's like I always think right. of like. You know, some blue, crystal blue waters in the, you know, uh, around an island somewhere. But that sounds awesome, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what are some of the things that, like, say, people would never wouldn't think about or whatever of what what life is like when you're running a place like like Mulberry? So we also live there. So we like we have lived where we've worked for. Well, Andrew, for going on 16 years and myself for nine. So it it wears on you in in ways just because you are never off so it's like even just stepping outside of your house to like go to your car to get something you forgot if there's a guest who is you know walking around and needs something they're going to ask you for help and you are always happy to help them but sometimes it's it you know you're just you've got your own thing going on it, it's just kind of hard the the, the work life uh, the, yeah, the work and the personal life separation is, is tough. Um, and, and that it's same goes for any of our employees who live there as well. So that's, that's one thing that, that can be pretty tough. Um, moving from Chattanooga to the North Georgia mountains was initially pretty hard for me just because we are so tucked away. You know, there is no like calling up your friend and being like, Hey, you want to go grab dinner in a, in a drink? Do you want to go to a yoga class? Do you want... It doesn't happen. Like everything takes way more effort, um, a lot more driving, a lot more coordination. And so, yeah, you just, you self-entertain, I think, (laughs) a a little bit more. Um, And yeah, it can be a little bit lonely in that way, but we've learned to just 
love it and, and accept it for what it is. And like I, like I said, kind of at the beginning of the podcast, it's there's sacrifices that you make. And when you kind of start to weigh the pros and the cons, we're, we're really happy out there. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful spot, but we have a good time with it. So, so on that note, like, where do you go for vacation? I literally was going to ask. I literally was going to ask the same thing, Jeff. Great minds. Great minds. Well, yeah, yeah. Where do far, you go? Yeah. Far, yeah, far, far away. Um, yeah, and that's one thing that's hard is this is a place that people come on vacation. It's a great spot. Andrew and I, when we when we are able to get out, we have a little casita camper, and we tend to go west just for a change of scenery. Um, and it's far away, and we we love we typically go this time of year, but haven't haven't gone the last two years for for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, we go and we will find BLM land in the middle of nowhere where there's not a human in sight, and just be alone because we're never alone. Like between guests and employees living there like you are always kind of helping somebody you know answering questions directing things managing things cleaning something um and so it's our only time to just kind of like sit by a fire and read a book that doesn't really happen (laughs) where we are and spend time with our dog uh brewski so yeah it's uh Usually the further the way away, the better. And we, we love bike packing. Uh, we just haven't been able to do it recently. But yeah, we love being on our bikes. We love just being outside together. And any sort of adventure, um, we're, we're usually yes people if, if we can. We will, we will say yes to just about anything. I thought you were going to say like downtown Manhattan, you know, or like Newark, <laughs> right? You yeah. just, you want to be, you, yeah, you want to escape the woods and the, and the whatever and actually be in like a city, you know. We would prefer to not speak to a soul. Like even going to town and like going to a grocery store, we're like, no, please don't ask questions. Don't, don't ask about the logo on the truck. Like we don't want to talk about it. Like, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean. Usually, and that's the thing, it's because you're in, we're in the industry that we love so much. I mean, most people do ask questions and it's always cool to share your spot with, with other people like that. It's yeah. There are way worse things that we could be spending our time doing is what I always tell myself. It's like, it's, it's kind of all consuming, but I don't, I can, I can do this. Like there's a lot of other industries that I just could not live. 24 seven in this lifestyle with it. So now do you do more like, like say big events, like with Severa where they, you rent, they rent the whole resort or is it more like, like smaller groups? What, what is like the majority of your, your viewer, your visitors? Yeah. Majority is definitely more along the lines of like, you know, just weekenders coming and just booking their, you know, maybe like we do get some pretty big groups, not so much like big buyouts, like Severia's Um, We get a couple of those a year between like weddings and corporate stuff or just big, you know, private groups and stuff. But um, no, usually, you know, it's it's a husband and wife coming to celebrate an anniversary or, you know, a family taking their kids on their the first camping trip because we're kind of like a nice in between for that. We're safe. You've got all like the luxuries. If you need them, you can kind of rough it, but not rough it too hard if you don't want to. Um, And then you've got groups coming and selling celebrating, you know, 50th birthday celebrations or they come annually for their their birthday or just a friend's meetup. Um, so yeah, I mean, a, a kind of a good mixture of everything, but the the corporate events and the big like full buyout weekends and stuff are, are a little more rare. All right. Yeah. It sounds like it would be a lot of like a, a fun place for like a little family reunion too. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of, I've got kids and grandkids on the East Coast and uh, that would be like a, a fun thing where we all kind of gather in one place for, I don't know, four or five days and go hiking or mountain biking or just read a book or hang out by the campfire. And it could be a fun way to do something like that, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's Absolutely. that's kind of like how our wedding was like we had people coming from. Alaska, Montana, Virginia, Tennessee, Florida, like kind of all over and and descending upon Mulberry Gap. And so we put them all up in our cabins and, you know, it's a, it's a, not a close drive or close flight for a lot of them. So they stayed for three or four nights and it was kind of a small family reunion with a wedding in the middle of it. You know, it wasn't like a, oh, I got to see the bride and groom for an hour and a half. And then like no real quality time. Like we ate you know, day in and day night, we had, we had several meals together. We had quality time together. I mean, it was just a really nice chance to really have some, some good quality time with, with each other and not be kind of like a rushed event. So yeah, I mean, we, we see a little bit of everything and it's, it's really cool to 
it's been an honor to, to host those things and kind of be a source of memory for folks. Um, we have some families that come like every single year for Thanksgiving, like we've become their tradition. So that's really cool. Uh, just stuff like that. Yeah, I, I can speak from experience. We had um, uh, my mom's side of the family, massive family reunions, like over a hundred is Irish Catholic. Ooh. So like, there's like a million of us, like cousins and whatever. And we did them, we split them between Wisconsin and Montana. My favorites were always the Montana ones. Cause we would yeah. rent this Lutheran camp on Flathead Lake. And we like, literally like over a hundred of us, you know, in this giant like summer camp, you know, it was great. Yeah. You know, it was so much fun. It's such a great, you know, a great way to keep the family together. Everyone had, you know, everyone could kind of do their own thing yeah. and, and, you know, yeah, it was fantastic. So that, 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 you know, those kind yeah. of venues are so cool for family reunions and that kind of stuff. I'll, I'll email you later about that. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta set something up. I think that'd be, be fun. So Andrew's working on a big project right now, a big building project. Um, but yes. even just the changes from when you bought the, or when the, property was first bought to now. I mean, cause mm-hmm. I, you've said when we were talking when I was there, there's a lot of changes that have been done and, you know, cabins and things that have been added. So tell us a little bit more about sort of what it started off like and what it is now. Yeah. So the, the previous owner, it was just kind of a private family retreat for himself. And he only lived like 45 minutes west of, of where the property is located. But um, he, you know, they had the main house, which is now our retail and check-in office. Uh, the barn where we do the meals was an actual barn, horse and mules stalls in there. My Andrew used to drive his truck in there and do car maintenance to get out of the weather. <clears throat> and um, three, there was only three little cabins down there. Um, and then two of the now cabins used to be the dining hall and camp so he would basically let his friends come with their pack mules or horses. Um, there was hitching posts all over the property and just kind of tie them up or keep them in the barn. And they would, you know, have to cook their own, but they could stay there and have access to um, some of the trails and stuff nearby. And so that's kind of how it started. And, and when my mom and Jenny found, um, kind of drove through the property with the real estate agent, they kind of had this envision for some sort of camp-like space. So that, that's, you know, they bought it. That's kind of how they envisioned it. That's how they opened it. And then Andrew, who had gained quite a bit of experience in high school, doing repairs from all the hurricanes, was able to start doing small renovations. So there's basically at this point not a single building at Mulberry that he has not worked on extens- extensively, either just repairs or general maintenance or full remodels. And We've added two cabins. We will be adding a, a third, um, probably starting in sometime this year. And then we've we added one of the big bathhouses. And then we've done a lot of conversion conversions on the building. So the like I said, the main the main house um, had two like a screened in porch, which is now like the check in office, the whole living room, uh, kitchen where we used to have Christmas and eat and live is now like a huge retail store. Um, and then the barn has been converted to the dining hall and the old camp kitchen and dining hall are now two of our big group cabin, uh, places where like larger groups book those two cabins because it has a shared deck by the ponds, the private, uh, uh, fire pit out back and all that. And yeah. And then our, our newest cabin is squirrel's nest, which is the one that gets all of the love uh, on, on social media. And, uh, it's booked quite a bit but yeah it's like it's a double decker like two-story cabin that is more modern uh and a bit of a different look than the other ones just because the other ones were already pretty much there when we bought when we bought the place so yeah it's 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 done a lot uh, or it's been through a lot um and it's it's still always changing we've we've got some other ideas in the in the future that we want to do to continue to improve the space and um the house that we live on on the property right now we'll get a little bit of a facelift soon because he has spent the last year building us a house down the road still very close but it is physically off property so yay us um and yeah so hopefully in the next like two to three months he'll be finished with that and then he might maybe get a little bit of a break before he has to just jump (laughs) into something else at Mulberry. but yeah it's non-stop and it's kind of a little bit hectic and it's why we never ride our bikes but we're we're hoping that changes soon so speaking of squirrels, um, yeah. <laughs> between squirrels, like raccoons, bears, like 
what uh-huh. is like what is the most like what do you have to manage the most like have raccoons tried to take over the entire camp and run it because they are kind of evil that way or or um, squirrels they... like what do you <laughs> we definitely i mean it, so we obviously are in the wilderness right so we get this question a lot people are always like well i mean what am i going to see out there is it's like am i going to get attacked by a bear and you will maybe see a bear likely see a bear in like spring early summer they generally want really nothing to do with you um if they come on property so like the property itself is too busy even though it's really not all that busy but it, there's too much activity on it for bears to want to be there they will roll through at night and knock over all of the trash cans and try to get a free meal uh, for a couple of weeks, usually around the time when their moms have kicked them off and there's like yearlings that are having to fend for themselves for a couple of, of months until they figure it out. Um, squirrels, we definitely have a ton of squirrels, but they're not the problem, the, the, like regular squirrels. Flying squirrels, we've had issues with for years, years. So they are nocturnal and chew through everything. And so you know, if you're sleeping at night, every now and then we'll get a complaint of a little bit of a scratching around that's happening, you know, all night. Uh, and so we'll have to, we, we basically have come up with this uh, cayenne all, or vinegar concoction that we spray in there and they will disappear, at least for a couple of months. But yeah, they, they're the biggest ones on, on property in terms of like critters, but yeah. No, we just have birds and squirrels and chipmunks, um, and we have Kahuta Cat, our, our cat on site, and he does a pretty good job keeping up with the mice and, and all that. But, I mean, we're in nature, so it's just kind of like we're not going to win. We're just going to, you know, have to keep beating them off with a stick from time to time. Andrew's been doing some work, uh, restoration and studies on trees on the property, right? So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, when he's not building or fixing things, which is a lot, um, he does some part-time work in forest health, treating hemlock trees from the woolly adelgid. Um, and so he's been, Jan George, who does, who work, who owns Adelrid, did the trees on our property pretty early on. I, th- I want to say it was like 2009. Um, in exchange for doing our property for free, he basically anytime that he's in the area and doing work in this region he can come and stay at one of our cabins and just kind of base camp out of there and then kind of go hit other properties in LJ. so it's um, a relationship that we established years ago that's worked out and been mutually beneficial for for both parties and um, he's become great friend a great friend of ours and Andrew started working for him several years ago just doing forest health and um, Andrew really loves it they just go you know, tromp around in the woods all day and they basically take measurements of trees and determine how much uh, of the chemicals or material that they need to use. They inject the soil around the tree with the, the chemical and the tree absorbs it. And basically when the adelgid attacks the tree, it poisons them from, you know, the material that's in the tree so they all die that way so it basically becomes a defense mechanism for the tree and helps them survive it's it's been pretty amazing and and a lot of the trees around mulberry are have done really well in in coming back after being quite sick so for those of people who are like what the heck is a woolly adult (laughs) (laughs) tell our listeners we know we know but we we definitely know of course i mean we all all, yes we all know but for our listeners why don't you let them know it is like this tiny, tiny microscopic insect that's killing them all. It came over from China, I believe, in or Asia um, in the 1950s, I think. Andrew's much better about these facts, but I think it came over on one of the barges on a plant that somebody wanted um, and basically started infecting all of the trees in the north. And it's taken about 50 or 60 years for it to travel all the way south. But, I mean, it's... It's pretty sad. Places that are not treating them because it's expensive. You have to treat by the inch, um, and it, but the chemical does last for about anywhere from seven to ten years, depending on the tree and where it's located and how healthy it is and all that. Um, but I mean, there's whole like Bear Creek, which is one of our most popular trails, which is also part of the Pinhoti. 
you know, Forest Service can't afford to treat all these. And I mean, you just look up and I mean, there's dead hemlocks everywhere. And of course, when the, a lot of these big storms come, a lot of the hemlocks come down. And, and when the hemlocks come down, they, they fall into the creeks because they're watershed trees generally. That increases the temperature of, of the water that also leads to less trout. Like it kind of affects the entire ecosystem. So um, it's a pretty interesting process to, to dig into. But yeah, that the woolly adelgid is just this tiny little bug. Um, and basically there is a for lack of a better term, there's basically like a, a needle that they inject into the tree that is what they feed off of. So what they basically try to suck out the liquid in the tree, but now the tree has this chemical in it, so it kills the bug as soon as it starts to feed off of it. You might you might want to Google it and explain <laughs> that a little bit better. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Well, I'm assuming we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, it'll be in the yeah. show notes. But um, if Jeff can spell it. Well, I'm assuming that creates quite a fire danger because obviously out here, like the bark beetle has wreaked havoc, and you know everywhere it's been mm-hmm. is you have these fires and it's just all these dead trees and it's like a tinderbox. So I'm assuming kind it's of. yeah. It's real wet here. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> we're Good. Like, <laughs> we're yeah. This area is like just beneath a rainforest in terms of like inches of rain per year. So I think. I think an average year, I want to say, is like 90 or 95 inches of rain. So it's fires. I mean, they've happened. Uh, 2016, we had a ton of fires in this area, but uh, it's nothing like what you guys deal with out, out west. Yeah. <laughs> it's just more rot, rot yeah. in a nuisance. You know, you just have trees, like, cluttering up your trail. But, yeah. So, so th- that would be a good place to go to escape the wildfires in the West yeah, exactly. if you want to, you know, to breathe some, <laughs> some clean air and uh, have some nice green scenery. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, Kate, thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing your special little piece of heaven in uh, Georgia at Mulberry Gap. For people who want to find out more about Mulberry Gap and how to reach y'all, uh, where should they find you? Yeah, um, we're on Facebook and uh, Instagram, but the best source for just general information about the property and how to get a hold of us, um, how to ask more questions, is just uh, mulberrygap.com. And you can also email us anytime at reservations at mulberrygap.com. Awesome. This has been, this is exciting. I, uh, yeah, thank you. I know. I, I think we all want to yeah. want to visit now. Jeff is, Jeff <laughs> yeah. is planning Jeff's his already, family reunion. Oh. Jeff's already I'm, I'm got booking plans. a trip. Yeah, yeah, we gotta totally do it. Yeah, an adventurous woman is returning to Mulberry Gap at the end of September, uh, that September, October weekend. We're very, very excited to come, be coming back for a second year. Yes, um, Jeff, maybe you should just send Joan to the camp and then you can vicariously through her you know figure out what she, the, she can do what, some scouting for the like the, the family reunion trip yeah that's, exactly that's not a bad idea yeah <laughs> well that's gonna do it for us please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media on instagram at almost there underscore ap or the almost there adventure podcast on facebook you can find Severia at Adventure Us Women, that's Adventure US Women, Jeff at The SoCal Hiker, or me at The Muir Project. Our title track, Almost There, is performed by Opus Orange and is provided courtesy of Emoto. For more about this episode and all of our others, make sure to check out the show notes on our website, almostthereadventurepodcast.com. Next time, for our third episode of our annual celebration of women in the outdoors during Women's History Month, we talk to the National Wildlife Federation's Beth Pratt about saving LA's mountain lions. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.